Well, good morning. In case you're wondering, uh, Josh, our worship pastor, he got the girl, okay? In case you're wondering, he got the girl. Welcome to uh, the last week of Stay Positive. My name's Zach. I'm one of the pastors here. Those of you watching online, we're so glad you're with us, whether you're in your car, at home, or whatever. So glad that you're watching with us today. And um, let me just take you guys back. The year was 1997. Think back to 97. That was a long time ago. I was in the middle of my college career at Sanford University in Birmingham, Alabama, and I'm from Omaha, Nebraska, and this youth pastor named Brian Clausen saw something in me before I saw it in myself and offered me an internship for the summer as a youth intern. And he, he, he saw that in me, he said, hey, I think you can pour next generation with me, and so I did that. And then fast forward a couple years later, I graduated with a business degree with a religion minor from Sanford. I go into the business world for about a year, and then Brian, to be honest, I didn't come to me first, came to my wife first and offered her a job. Just, you remember that, Brian, all right? And she said no, she had, other things, she, she had other things going on. And then he came to me a few months later and said, I see something in you. I really think you should consider coming into full-time ministry. And so I took some time. We were actually on the golf course when we were uh, talking about that. You're a much better golfer now, Brian, than you were 20 years ago. But, and so it's really a gift when someone sees something in you before you see it in yourselves. And that's what Brian saw in me 20-something years ago. That's what he still sees in me today. And so that's a gift and that's kind of what we're going to be talking about in our sermon today is all about that. Because we all deal with some form of lack of confidence, insecurities, uh, inadequacies. We all feel those things and they're very real to all of us. And when you have people in your life, and for sure God in your life, when they see those things in you before you see them and they help you walk through that, it's an incredible, it's an incredible gift. And so when we talk about insecurities or lack of self-confidence, it doesn't take much, right? It could be a weird look when someone looks at you and you're like, do I have something in my nose, right? And think about this last 15 months. We've been living in awkward moments, right? Like socially, like think about a greeting now. We've forgotten as human beings how to greet one another. We walk up to people and then what do we do? We're like, I don't know, do we, do we hug? Do we Christian side hug? Do we fist bump? Do we now elbow bumping is apparently a thing, right? Like someone, once they foot bumped me, I'm like, I don't know what we're doing. And we foot bumped, right? And so it's become so awkward. And think about it for how much of our, um, of our, our communication is nonverbal. And think about talking to someone with a mask on, you don't see the nonverbal going on. And so it's been this awkward season, and it makes us, a lot of us, feel insecure, and we we get lack of confidence from even this last uh, time. Then I think about just my life, and I'm going to get really real with you guys today. I mean, I have dealt with insecurity my whole life. So as a kid, as you guys can imagine, I wasn't the biggest kid in school, okay? Like when I turned 16, I was five foot two and weighed 90 pounds. That was on my driver's license, Okay? And so I always struggled with being small, feeling that way, feeling like a confidence, insecurity about those things. Fast forward to now as an adult, our insecurity is more around things like insecurity as a leader, as, as a dad, as a husband. And social media makes it really hard because what do we do on social media? We compare our real life to somebody else's highlight reel. And so as a dad, I look at these other dads and I see how they intentional they are with their kids and they take them on these amazing trips and having these amazing conversations and I'm going, oh man, I'm not doing as well as that person is. I feel insecure in this area. Or as a husband, I see some of you dads, you take your wives on these romantic getaways and I'm calling my wife like, hey babe, got you a number three at Chick-fil-A, Chick-fil-A soft sweet tea. It's gonna be a big night. And so these insecurities, they rise up inside of us no matter what age or stage that you're in, in your life. Let's be honest, church. Every single one of us, we have 
a lack of confidence. And I kind of wrote down three ways that this can take shape in our lives, and I'm guilty of all three of these, and maybe you are as well. The first one is, we can become people pleasers. This is the person that always wants to make sure that they're in the good graces with their boss, with their friends, with whoever, and they'll say whatever it takes to make sure those people around them feel like they're secure and they please those people, right? That's one way. The second way is what I would call the, the fishers. These are people that are always fishing for a compliment. This is the young lady on Instagram who posts a selfie, right, with no makeup on it, and she's like, no makeup, just keeping it real, Right? And all the ladies are like, what, you guys, what do you want to do? You want to put like the vomit emoji in the comment, right? Because you're like, she's flawless. This is so annoying, right? Because you know she's fishing for a compliment. I know for me, like after I preach, I will ask my wife, I'll say, hey, how, did, how do you think it went today? Like, I don't know if I connected or not. What am I doing? I'm fishing for, a, I'm fishing for her to say, oh, no, baby, it was great. And we do that in our areas of life. We fish for those compliments. And third one, which is my favorite one, is what we call the one-uppers. You guys know what a one-upper is, right? The person that always has the more important name to drop, they got a better deal on this, they got a story. I looked up the phrase one-upper in the Urban Dictionary, which is an amazing dictionary, right? It says, an annoying person who responds to hearing someone else's experience or problem by immediately telling a similar story about themselves with a much more fantastic or terrible outcome. You guys know what I'm talking about. You get a deal on clothes and someone else goes, oh, if you think that deal was good, just see the deal that I got. What's crazy, we, guys, we do this with injuries, right? We're like, oh, man, I, I, like, for instance, I pulled my hamstring this week, right? I'm an old man now, okay? And someone else is like, oh, you pulled your hamstring? I tore my ACL. And I'm like, well, good for you, right? <laughs> like, we one-up each other in all these stories. And we use these as mechanisms to deal with a disease that every single one of us deals with on some level or another. And it doesn't just make us feel bad. It actually robs us from the life that God has created us to live. It's going to lead you to not interview for that job because you're going to think, what's the point? I'm not going to get it anyways. It's going to lead you to not sign up to go to college because maybe you're in your 30s and you're like, well, everyone else is younger and I won't fit in, so I'm not going to even try. It'll lead you to say, you know what? I'm not going to get sober today because I'm just going to get hammered tomorrow anyway. So what's the point? But these inadequacies, they keep us from doing the things that God knows are best for us. So here's the thing. If you get anything from today, I want you to get this. 1 Corinthians 10, 12 says this. Forget about self-confidence. It's useless. Cultivate God-confidence. If you want the message notes, they're at lexity.info. You can click on message notes and follow along there. But we do not need more self-confidence. Here's what we need. We need to cultivate, I use that word intentionally, slowly cultivate God-confidence. I don't need self-confidence. I need to find a way to live my life with a sense of holy boldness. And guys, I know that there is this big like self-empowerment movement and all you need is yourself and just rely on yourself and nobody else and it's all about you. But that's not actually what scripture says about us. Here's what it says about us and relying on ourselves. Jeremiah 17 says, my heart is deceitful. So why do I place confidence in a deceitful heart that's lying to me all the time, right? Jesus said in the Gospel of Matthew that my flesh is weak. I'm not going to put confidence in a weak flesh. Or Paul wrote to the church in Rome in Romans 7 that my behavior is inconsistent. But then look what King David wrote in Psalm 57. My heart is confident in you, O oh God, my heart is confident. No wonder I can sing 
your praises. We don't need self-confidence. We need God-confidence. I heard this quote one time. It says, many people spend their whole lives climbing the ladder of success only to find that when they get to the top, their ladder was leaning against the wrong building. The building of self and self-confidence versus leaning your building against God and his confidence in you. And our lives have to flow out of a deep sense of identity of who God is and who he says you are. And so today, I want to give you guys three thoughts, three truths to help you cultivate a sense of God confidence. And I say truths intentionally. The reason we need the, the truths to cultivate God confidence is because our sense of inadequacy, our sense of lack of confidence is often rooted in what? It's rooted in lies. Somewhere along the line, we have believed a lie, a deception about ourselves, what the world likes to tell us about who we are. And the only way to replace and battle those lies with the truth of God's word. Paul writes in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. He says, look, don't be conformed to the pattern and the culture of this world, but instead be transformed. So how do we be transformed, church? By the renewing of our mind. Then you ask the next question, right? Like, how do we renew our mind? We replace the lies that we are told with the truth of who God says that we are. That which is good and pleasing and perfect. So truth number one, if you're taking notes or in your uh, sermon notes there, how do we cultivate a sense of God confidence? Number one is this, knowing that my God is always for me. My God is always for me. He's always for me. Some of you, maybe you grew up um, in the church and maybe your view of God was that God was always looking down to kind of like catch you doing something wrong and kind of smite you with his wrath and he just wanted to punish you and he's waiting for you to mess up and waiting for you to sin so that he could punish you. But that's not really the nature of God. Like, think about it for those of you that are parents. Do you feel that way about your kids? Are you just sitting on the edge of your seat waiting for them to do something wrong so you can yell at them because that's the purpose of being a parent? No, your kids are like, oh yeah, that's what they do. That's exactly what they do. (laughs) But as a parent, we are told to delight over our kids. We engage in the hard stuff with our kids because we want the best for our kids. We want our kids to grow up to be adults that know how to make wise choices. We want them to find their identity in Christ and not in the world. We want them to have that constant steadiness and faithfulness that we hope that they have as they find their identity in Christ because as we know, like, it's really attractive in a person when a person knows who they are in Christ. Like, they just have this steadiness, this constant. Like, they're not, when something crazy happens, like the last 15 months in a pandemic, and you look around, you see those people that are just kind of calm, and they're patient, and they're steadfast, and you're going, what's different about that person? That's really attractive to the world. And that's obviously what we want for our kids. And so Paul wrote to the church in Rome, he says this, if God is for us, Who can ever be against us? If God is for us, it's not just a question, but a statement. My God is for me. Therefore, who on earth could be against me? If God is for me, cheering me on, thinking that I'm actually pretty special, then who on earth is against me? Basically, like, who really cares who's against you? I'm not even talking about them. I'm talking about you. If God is for you, how could you not be for you as well? 
So as a dad and as a former athlete, I've coached a lot of my kids in, in, in all different sports, all three of my kids. And I love it. And I realize I, part of the reason I coach is because I'm that parent. That parent who yells louder than the rest of the parents. Parents, are you that parent who's with me? Good, like eight of you, great. Okay, so the rest of you just sit there, right? So I've learned that that's part of the reason I coach because then it's not weird if I'm yelling all the time because I'm the coach. But if you're that parent who's screaming all of the time, and so what I've done is I began to coach. So I, right now I'm currently coaching my daughter's eight-year-old soccer team. Just let that sink in. It's all the emotions of eight-year-old soccer. It's incredible. It's all the drama and all the fun and everything mixed in together. It's an incredible opportunity to coach them. But when I yell at those players, when I yell at my daughter, when I say, Kensley, be aggressive, hustle, get the ball. While there may be a part of her that's embarrassed by that, something changes inside of her. She gets this confidence. She knows that I'm for her. In fact, she gets this face that she makes, she's like, like this, and she runs so hard, and I'm like, oh no, she's gonna hit someone now, okay? But like, she goes total beast mode on that. And I love it, because she knows that I am for her. The same thing with my son Caleb right now, who just finished his basketball season. I'm that dad, I'm not the coach, but I'm that dad in the stands who freaks out when something good happens and I yell so loud. In fact, here is an example from this last season. So I love that my son Caleb is like playing it cool, like, oh, I just run down, it's no big deal. But he's really excited on the inside, okay? And so that was me yelling, let's go. And here's the analogy for us. God sits right now on the edge of heaven. He's looking at you and he's saying, let's go. He is for you. He's not a God that looks down and wants to catch you in something. He wants to compel you towards something. He is for you. He is for you. A former pastor of mine used to say this, and I wrote it down. He says, we do not live our lives chasing the approval of God. We live our lives as an overflow from what we already have, not seeking something, but recognizing we already have the approval of God. My life will flow out of his approval. It says in Hebrews 10, so do not throw away this confident trust in the Lord. Remember the great reward it brings you. Maybe you're here today, you're watching online, and You're hoping to climb out of a mountain of debt. God is for you. Maybe you're here and you're trying to reconcile a relationship with God, maybe even a marriage. I want to tell you, God is for you. Maybe you're here and you feel led to start a new business. God is for you. You have to believe. He's not trying to catch you in something. He's trying to compel you towards something. So live out of the approval of God. He is always for you. So that's number one. Number two is this. How do we cultivate God confidence? My God always helps me. He always helps me. It says in Hebrews again, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. So here's the question. Where do you today feel unsure? Where do you feel like you just don't have the tools to do this or to be that? In what area of your life do you feel like I really need some help today? God will help you. One of the most amazing things I feel like about this last season of living through what we've lived through as a culture in the last 15 months is that I believe it's really brought relationships to the forefront. 
I've had so many conversations with so many of you in the church that you realize, like, man, I've really missed being connected. I've really missed the community. I've really missed the ability to be with people and to have relationships. And you've seen the value in that. And what's cool is I've seen people accept Christ in the middle of a pandemic. Like, they will look back on 2020 and 2021 with different eyes than what we have. They will look back and go, no, my life was changed during that season. Like, I have great memories of the pandemic because that's when I stepped across that line of faith and gave my life to Christ. That's amazing. So many people have tried out our church for the very first time. Some of you have never been to Lex City until the last year. That's amazing. That's courageous. I give you big props for doing that. In fact, we started this thing the last couple of months called Discover Lex City. And as a staff, our goal was really to say, hey, we have a bunch of new people in the church. We have a bunch of people that don't feel connected yet, that haven't started serving or in a group or doing things yet. And we said, let's have a night where they can come. We'll serve them dinner. Our whole staff will be there. We can kind of get an opportunity to kind of hear their story and connect with them. And we'll get an opportunity to take a next step and to get connected in some way. And so we did one in March and one at the end of April. I want to tell you, church, like we had so many people show up to this event, and here's the really, really cool part. We had 47 people start to volunteer for the very first time out of those two events. That's incredible. Yeah, you can clap for that. We had 37 people join a life group for the very first time. That's amazing. We had 19 people say, you know what? I wasn't financially invested. I wasn't living out of obedience and generosity, and I'm gonna start giving to the church, and I wanna be a part of what God's doing here and around the world. That's amazing. And a few of you, I've even talked to you, you found your uh, future mate, you got engaged, and you got married all in the last year. So you'll look back on this time and you'll be like, oh, it was an incredible year. It's amazing. Some of you, you, the connection and the serving, like we did City Reach Saturday yesterday, we went to six locations and got to serve at six different areas, and, and 50 plus of you guys came and did this, and part of that was because you want to serve, part of it is because you know you need relationship and community and connection. All these things prove to me that we are better together and we need relationship. And so our God will help you in whatever you're struggling with. And I'm telling you, the reason I tell all these stories is that what he's done before, he will do again in your life. And so all of you, the marriages that have already been restored doesn't mean that it won't happen again. It'll happen. It'll be somebody else's story next week. It can happen to you. Those of you that maybe have already gotten out of debt, that could happen to somebody else. Those of you that have been praying for that family member to accept Christ for years and years and years, someone else, that just happened to them last week, it could happen to you as well. Asking God for help in those things in our lives. And some of you, let's be honest, it's been a really challenging time. It's been a tough season the last couple, this last couple of years. And I wanna tell you, you're gonna look back on this time a year or two years from now, and you're gonna see that God was walking with you and he was there to help you this entire time. And you'll see it with greater clarity as we get further and further away from this season. And realize what he was doing. I think back to several years ago, I was doing a funeral. And I haven't done a ton of funerals in my life, thankfully, but um, I was doing a funeral for a family that I really didn't know that well um, but they knew me at the church, and so I was doing this funeral, and I walked into this funeral home, and I'm, and I'm doing this funeral, and I really I look around, and I don't know, like, anybody in the room. And I gotta tell you, talk about insecurities. I'm speaking over this family, and I'm trying to give hope, and it's trying to be a celebration of life, and I look around, I don't know anybody. 
And all this insecurity is rising up in me. Like, what are you doing? What are you saying? Like, is this even connecting? And then this one guy from my church that I didn't know was going to be there, he walked in from the back of the room and he sat down. And he just nodded his head every time I said something. And he just gave me this, these nonverbal affirmation of what I was saying. And his presence changed everything in that room for me that day. It changes things. And I love this verse in, in Psalms 46, one it says, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. I believe his presence is the help. He's an ever-present help in times of trouble. If you're finding yourself in a situation where you don't know what to do, what tool in your life do you use relationally when you have conflict in your workplace, in your home? I got a tip for you. Invite the presence of God into that situation. His presence is all the help that you need. In fact, he is called Emmanuel, which means God with us. God is for you. He is with you. He's there to help you. And number three, how we cultivate God confidence is this. My God is still working in me. I don't speak about my insecurities in the past. I still have those things today. I struggled with, for a long time, I struggled with the areas of pride and control. And they kind of go hand in hand. We talk about, it's, it's always fun to say like, oh, in every situation, there's God's part, there's my part, and there's other people's parts. Well, in my mind, a lot of times I'm thinking, oh, how can I control all three of those parts so that I can help dictate the outcome? And that's pride and the spiritual arrogance, and I deal with this lack of insecurity in that area in my life, and I still deal with it. Isn't it frustrating to be struggling with the same thing for as long as we struggle with things? Do you guys feel that with me? Like, you struggled with something 10 years ago and 20 years ago and you're still struggling with it and you're like, God, like, how is this still happening? Like, after all that God's done for me, after all that I've been through, why do I still struggle with this? And the answer is number three, right? God is still working in me. God is not done with you. He's not done. Turn to your neighbor right now and say, God is not done with you. And turn back and say, and that's a good thing. I love this. Paul wrote to the church in Philippi. He says this. Being confident of this, that he, being God, who began the good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. He's not done with you. You are still a work in progress. I am still a work in progress. I love that. Even when we blow it, even when we mess up, God is still working. He's going to finish it. He doesn't quit on us. He doesn't get frustrated with us. He doesn't say, all right, well, I tried my best. I'm washing my hands of this one. Good luck, buddy. He doesn't say that. That's why Paul writes, until the day of Christ Jesus. You're not done until you're in heaven, basically, is what he's saying. And until that day, you, you and I are a work in progress. So be patient with yourself because God is patient with you. You still struggle with spiritual doubts? God's not done with you. Got that nagging habit that you can't overcome? God is not done with you. You've been neglecting God's word and you've been neglecting talking to him? God's not done with you. And here's why this truth is so critical for us. Because if we continue to live our lives fueled by the sense of I'm not good enough and God made a mistake and I don't have any gifts and I don't have a purpose and I don't have a calling and we see all these things and we have all this lack of confidence, yet the Bible says God has a purpose for you and your purpose is only as powerful as you living out the truth of God's word in your life. 
Some of you may have limped in here spiritually today. Maybe you're watching online and you're just struggling with stuff right now. But I want to tell you, your circumstance does not define who you are. The Bible says that you are more than an overcomer. By the word of the Lamb and the power of your story, that you're blessed coming in and you're blessed going out. That the promises of God truly are yes and amen. And for those of you that are in Christ Jesus, you are seated in Christ in heavenly places. You are a co-heir of everything that God created with Jesus. That is who you are. God is crazy about you. God is for you. God will help you. And God is not done with you. And not when you have it all figured out. And not when you're no longer messy anymore. He means right now, today, in this moment. He's not waiting to love you until you clean your act up. He's not waiting until you become a better husband or a better father or a better mom or a better wife or a better friend or a better brother or sister. He's not waiting for that stuff to happen. He loves you with an unconditional love that, guys, literally no other human being can give you the kind of love that Christ can give you. So as we close this morning, just do me a favor around the room and watching online, just close your eyes right now in this moment, bow your heads. I do this every time I preach so that you can just take a moment to just kind of settle, to not think about anything else, but just sit in this moment between you and God and the busyness of all of our lives and the week. We don't get a lot of these moments, so just sit in this moment. And with every head, bow and every eye closed in this prayerful moment with no one looking around, how many of you would be willing to say, how many of you, who, you would say, you know what, Zach, I'm a follower of Jesus, but I struggle in this area of inadequacy. I struggle maybe even to the point of self-hatred and there's been something, this lack of confidence has been a really big part of my life and I just wanna be set free from this. If that's you with no one looking around so I can know who to pray for, just lift your hand up and just say, man, that's me. I struggle with this area a lot of my life. Hands up all over the room. You're not alone. They're all over the room. You guys can put your hands down. Jesus, I lift up everyone that raised their hands and even those that maybe didn't have the courage to do that yet. God, I pray for all of us, myself included, that God, we would no longer find our identity and our confidence in who we are, but who you say that we are. God, we'd realize that you are for us, that you are here and you are an ever-present help in trouble and you want to help us. And God, that you are not finished with us. You are not done with us, God. And with every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want to read a scripture over you. And I want you to ask yourself the question, does this describe me? And Paul wrote this to the church in Colossians. And he says, for we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus. And your, and your love for all of God's people, which come from your confident hope of what God has reserved for you in heaven. You've had this expectation ever since you first heard the truth of the good news. With every head bowed, every eye closed. For some of you today, you don't have that confident hope in it, that heaven is your home. You have a desperate wish. And you're thinking, maybe my good will outweigh my bad, but there's nothing about your life that says I'm confident that I am God's child and that I will spend eternity in heaven. And I'm telling you, you don't have to live with uncertainty because it's not about how much good or bad you've done. The gospel is certain and you can be certain. It says in Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrates his love for us in this while we were still sinners. Christ died for us. 
What that means is that God knows all of my sin, all of my mistakes, all of my junk, and he knows yours as well. But in spite of all of that, he loves you unconditionally. And he takes it one step further. He says, I want a relationship with you through my son, Jesus Christ. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, if you would say, man, that's me. I don't have that yet. I don't have that confident hope in heaven. I don't have that relationship with Jesus. I've been finding my identity and my success and in the world and not in something bigger than myself. I don't, I don't have Jesus in my life. And you would say, that's me. I want to ask Christ to come into my life. With no one looking around, just lift your hand up right now and say, that's me. I want to pray to ask Christ to come into my life. I see your hand. Awesome. Anybody else? I see your hand. Awesome. Several hands that are around the room. That's awesome. You guys can put your hands. I'm going to lead you through a prayer right now. And it's not the words that save you. It's the attitude of your heart. And I want to encourage you. I'm going to say a prayer. Just kind of say something like this. It's just you connecting to the very heart of God. Say this. Say, dear God, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that my sin separates me from you. But today, God, I ask you to come into my heart. I ask you to save me. I ask you to change me. I believe in your son, Jesus Christ, that he died on the cross for my sins and that he beat death and rose again. I'm finding my confidence and my hope in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we just give it up for those that made that decision to follow Christ today? That is incredible. That's the best decision you'll ever make in your life. And if you're watching online right now, you can, you can let us know in the chat there. You can also click a next step right there. And if you're watching online or you're here in person, we would love to celebrate that decision with you. You can go to lexi.info and just click on I Pray to accept Christ. We just want to send you an email with some next steps that you can take. But we're really, really excited about the decision that you made. And I want to encourage you guys, as we close out today, we're going to have our prayer team down front, and they would love to pray with you, maybe about the decision you made, maybe about anything else in your life. Maybe you have an area that I, that I was talking about, and God just brought something in your mind. You said, I just need prayer for that. Maybe it's health, maybe it's financial, maybe it's relationship, whatever it is. Our team would love to pray for you about that down here. As we close out, Pastor Brian and Tammy are going to make their way to the Welcome Center. They would love to meet you if they haven't got a chance to do that. And then, guys, thank you so much for coming today. Have an amazing week. We'll see you guys all next week. Thanks a lot.